Baz, I know, I know you've done this plenty of times. The only thing I'll say is over StreamYard because it breaks up a bit if you talk over each other. Yeah. If you've got, let's just say Dan's talking or I'm talking, just put your hand up if you want to say something next. Yeah. Once we're done, you'll be able to go. Sweet, mate. All right. We're good, boys. Yeah, and Baz, Baz, just for Jules, if you direct questions to him, just go a little bit slower because he's Spanish, yeah? It takes him a bit to process it. La cerveza, la cerveza más fina. Welcome, everyone, to episode 37 of the Almost Blues Brothers podcast. I'm, uh, I'm Joe. I'm here with Dan and Jules, as I am every week or Jules recently especially he's back he's decided to actually show up to work which is nice how are we boys yeah good Joe how are we I'm uh I'm all right other than my ankle which if no one's caught up on socials you can go to our Instagram you can see me absolutely doing a number on myself at Vic Park this morning so Dan how are you other than absolutely laughing your ass off at me today listen when you called me at 11 30 I think it was today I was in stitches. Please go to our socials and watch that video of Joe snapping his ankle because one of the funniest things you'll see. And I want you, I want our listeners to look at two moments. The start of it. Do you have the start, Joe, where you're pointing to the camera? Yeah. It's all there. He's, he's, Jules, he's, you've seen it. He's looking at the yeah. camera trying to reenact the Petrarca goal. And then I want everyone to go in slow motion to the end and look at his face and how much he's suffering. <laughs> Hey Zana, yeah. you're gonna actually upload the actual snapshot of the actual incident where, it, like, yeah, where you I'll put. All right, that's fine. Sure, I'll, I'll put that up. I'll put that up as well for our guest that's in the uh, that's in the in the Zoom call with us in the Streamyard call. He's probably got no idea what we're talking about. I'd uh, I'll, I'd like to introduce him, Mr. Paul Barbaza. Thank you very much for joining us today, mate. Uh, <clears throat> I know you said you don't have Instagram. I don't know if your daughter or or anything's got Instagram that can show you, but. Uh, yeah, I've, I've embarrassed myself royally at Vic Park this morning, trying to emulate Christian Petrarca's goal from that third quarter. Well, commiserations to you, Joe, but, uh, yeah, nice to have you on, boys. Um, Joe, thanks for the invite, and, boys, thanks for having me here, and, uh, yeah, it should be good. And just looking at you, uh, Dan, you look exactly like Petrarca with that uh, beard and whatever. You're a dead set, dead ringer for him. Yeah, and actually, I'm a little bit behind the beard. Everyone's, everyone's got a beard except me. <laughs> Baz, I actually get I get I look like Petrarca and Daniel Ricardo, F1 driver. Oh, that's the last that is genuinely the last thing you needed, Baz. Uh, and, and I got Simo on top left there. Oh, Simo. I'll take yeah, Simo one. Joe, yeah. I'm not can't quite uh, work out who you are yet, Jules. I'll, I'll come up take, with something. Take, take your time. I got it. Dora the Explorer. <laughs> Over in Spain. <laughs> I'm not saying nothing about that. Now, look, it's going to be, we've got a massive episode today. It's, uh, and it's really good to have Baz on. It's something we've been trying to do for a while, Baz, to get you on. Um, we've said before, and uh, as we were telling you before the show, you know, our, our, our biggest probably inspiration for this was listening to the Carlton show for so many years. Uh, to to yourself, Gex and Andy, you know, getting and like you said, getting us or our generation through what's been the, the most difficult <clears throat> probably decade 
that the club's ever seen. Um, and mate, it's 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 honestly a privilege to to have you on our podcast. It's 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 unreal. Go easy, Jay. You're not paying me. <laughs> I'm just, hey, I'm just paying the respects. That's all. We're just paying the respects. Yeah, you're, you're humble, Baz. You're humble. I like it. Yeah, That's yeah. It. No, no. It's look. Like I said, it's great. Um, we started that show many years ago, or a few years ago, um, and we've ended the show because Andy purely doesn't have enough time raising three daughters. He does a lot of stuff, as as you know. Mm. Um, and and as you guys know, you know, it takes a bit to put a show up, and you know, I, we I used to watch replays and lots of notes and everything, and uh, it takes a bit of your time up. And if you can't give the audience that time and, and the effort and, and the knowledge that you know, then it's probably not the right thing to be doing to, to continue on. But um, we, we certainly went through that that period where we thought it was going to be pretty ordinary, and, and it was ordinary. And unfortunately, we sort of um, have had a bit of a relapse, um, you know, this season. And let's hope uh, you know, when we talk Carlton later on, let's hope that that all uh, unfolds well for us. Agree, agree. Yeah, and you, you mentioned that <clears throat> you stopped because of time commitments. I know a lot of people want some sort of a reunion show. I reckon if you if there's ever an inkling, Baz, of the three of you getting back together, us at the Almost Blues Brothers here, we would be more than happy to host a little panel show, getting the three of you back together, just giving the people what they want. That's all I'm saying. Oh, it's quite possible. I mean, you know, that that's, you know, I mean, we, we can always pop in and out, but uh, just at the moment, I think um, knowing the two boys um, where they're at, um, yeah, it, look, it could, it could happen, yeah. Uh, I'll put him on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> if that, that does happen, I want to sit next to you. Well, <laughs> mate, no problems. No problems, <laughs> Trap. Um, just... Um, do I miss it? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I thought we'd be talking about a lot more wins. Um, you know, it's always easier. Yeah, it is always easier, uh, Jules. There's no doubt about that. Um, uh, you know, we went through that Bolton era where you know that Essendon game pretty much was the end of me and Gex. I give it the tip. You know, we basically said to Andy, "We're done. We, we don't even want to." We can't go on with this. And then on the Monday, he got the ass, and he said, look, he sent out a text message to us and said, listen, we've got to do it. He's just got the flick. We've got to talk about it. And we said, yeah, all right. And, you know, then the next 11 weeks, it was a six and five with, with Tiggy, and last year was all right, and, you know, we'll talk about this year. But um, do I miss it? Uh, there are times I miss it, but you know what? It's everything has a you know, time frame, I guess, um, and you guys have come on and I know there's others that do other shows and all the rest of it. So, you know, it's probably opened up a nice window for everyone, but unfortunately, you know, it's you've got to be careful it doesn't get to a saturation point too uh, where there's so many shows that people don't know, you know, who to listen to, what to listen to, and I know it's, you know, it's up to them, but yeah, there are parts of me at times that I do miss it, yeah, I suppose, yeah. What was... I've always wanted to ask, I reckon I know which show it might have been, but what was the most difficult one, other than that Essendon game where you were like, that's it, I'm done, what was the most difficult one to review? And can I ask, was it the one where we lost to GWS by 100 and whatever points and we had 16 players on the field in the last quarter? It had to have been. Like, what do you speak about? Um, well, me being an, a nuffy, I, I always uh, sort of... 
probably broke the game down in in quarters, half quarters. I remember one day Port Adelaide clobbered us by 80 points and I still found a way of saying to the people that, um, you know, for, for 25 minutes we outscored them, you know, uh, and, and I tried to make the biggest negative into a positive. I'll tell you, one of the biggest shows I I, I, um, I got very emotional actually um, was a re- return bout against um, a return bout against St Kilda, and if you recall, St Kilda had been very disrespectful to I think the then captain or uh, Mark Murphy, um, the, oh, the, yeah. the backman, the St Kilda's backman. What's his name? The, uh, Carlisle. Jake Carlisle. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was extremely disrespectful to um, to Mark Murphy, and I recall the return bout. I sent a message out, basically saying to the players, "I beg yous, I beg yous to write this wrong. I beg yous to write this wrong." You know, basically, you know, draw a line in the sand against those fucking muppets, and, and dead set. And Dead said, give it, give it to him, right? Give it to him, whether we win the game or lose the game. Draw a line in the sand and don't get stood over by these blokes. Yeah. And, you know, I thumped the table in the studio and I'll never recall Andy and Gex basically, like, they shuddered. They could not believe it. They, they didn't see it coming. I thumped the table that hard that I almost broke my arm. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I don't want to say too much, but let's just say... The boys talked for probably the next five minutes because I had me head in my hands and, you know, I broke down. So um, that's the point of emotion that it, it, this game can can bring out. And um, I just wanted our players to bring it and, unfortunately, they didn't. Mm. It's and that's why, but that passion there, Baz, is probably why a lot of, a lot of listeners resonated with you. When you were speaking, yeah. Well, I got a phone call from the president the very next there three days go. afterwards. Well, there you go. <laughs> and formed a relationship with him. So, uh, you, you know, from from that came out of the blue. He didn't have my number. He seeked it out from someone, and you know, I was sitting on this very table when I got a phone call, and, and I didn't know it was, and I thought it was someone trying to sell me something. <laughs> and when, when when he said it was, uh, <laughs> and when he said no, no it wasn't you, Joe. Uh, no. <laughs> I was gonna say it was. I was gonna say it was someone trying to sell you something. They were trying to sell you hope, Baz. Like <laughs> oh well, you know what? He, he, you know what? He, he did. He did actually. But um, actually, I hung up because I said to him, I said, oh, I said something along the lines of, yeah, yeah, fuck off, as if as if you're the president of the Carlton Footy Club, you know, like, and, and bloody hung up on him, and he rang back, and I said, what's going on? He goes, I go, is that really you? And he goes. Yes, it is. <laughs> because I'm reaching out because I've listened to your show, blah, 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 and all the rest of it. So, yeah, so from something like that, that was the hardest one because I didn't think that I'd ever sort of break down on a show because I was that passionate. And it was very raw. It just happened. It, it wasn't preconceived. We were talking about something and it just and it, I reminded myself about what they did to Mark Murphy back then. And what they said to him on the ground, and, and all the rest of it, you know. And yeah, it was um, that, that was a tough show. You know, all the losses, Joe. They are what they are, mate. You know, they are what they are. Whether they're ten points, a hundred points, that was us then. I hope that that's not us going forward. Yeah. Well, we're in that transition period. We're in that transition period where 
Oh, Jesus, we've you know, a lot of players are going out, a lot of players are coming in. They basically got some players just to top up the list. We knew they weren't going to be Carlton players for long, but they needed some sort of um, senior players there. And oh, what a, what a tough period, but still a tough period now. She's and, not and over yet gonna, by a long shot. And we're gonna we're gonna get right into it uh, in the second half of this show when. Uh, like I said, when we get your, your thoughts on the season and where you think we're going. Um, but firstly, just as, as we do every week, I'd just like to thank the listeners, uh, as we always do. Still strong in numbers, boys, even though it's the off-season. That's 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 uh, that's the Carlton Football Club fan base. They, uh, they want as much content as possible every single day of the week, whether it's on-season, off-season, whatever your pre-season, whatever you want. So it's good, uh, it's good that people are still tuning in. We're still going to keep this going right up until – Right up until basically draft day. So uh, we've got about another eight weeks this year, I, I think that is. Um, if you haven't followed us already, at Almost Blues Brothers on Instagram, yes, I'm getting the Facebook page going. I'm getting the Twitter going. takes time. You know, I'm, I'm not Superman. I'm trying my best. But, you know, these two these two here, Dan and Jules, they don't do anything. So, you know, someone's got to try and run steady the ship. Wrong. We provide quality content to the listeners. Then <laughs> <laughs> they're good to Baz, as we like, we, we'd like to do this with our guests, and this is this might put you on the spot a little bit. But Dan here, uh, he, he's got his own little segment when someone comes on, and that's Dan's quiz. I've got a bit of a quiz for you, Baz. Oh, fuck. I'm 57, mate. I can't remember what I had for dinner. I just had my dinner 10 minutes ago. I can't remember what I had. I don't need you getting angry at me, Baz. I need you answering the questions. I'll try, <laughs> I'll try my best. <laughs> right, mate. There's literally four of them. All right. So I've got first one, your favourite memory as a blue bagger. Every Carlton premiership. There you go. Simple. All of them. Don't mind it. I, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> Go, Dan. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, if you were stuck on a deserted island, who's two people you'd want with you? He's smiling. I'd have to say my wife and Bruce Dool. <laughs> I don't mind that. That's okay. If I die, my wife's still got Bruce. How's, that? How's this? How's this? And if How's she this? dies, I've got Bruce. How's this? How's this? That's killed me. He's got kids, and he's got Bruce Dool as number two. <laughs> oh, they can fend for themselves. That is unreal. Uh, Buzz, question number three. On that same island, who's two people that you wouldn't want on there? Oh. Um, two that I wouldn't want. You got 20 seconds, Baz. Right, uh, Mick Malthouse. Yeah, good one. And Jake Carlisle. And all right, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll go with that. I'll go. Thank you, Jules. It was Dan. Who's it? It was, it was Dan, but I'll take the credit. Well, I don't. I don't know. I don't have a lot of enemies. I hope so. No, hey, Baz. Last que Last question. Probably the most important. Out of Joe, Jules, and myself, who's the best looking? Well, I think all three of you's 
going to slip you. Hey, I'll get my wife in here. She can tell me. You can't. You can't sit on the fence, Baz. You got to pick one. And just, just so you know, just remember who invited you on this podcast. Just remember who you speak to. Well, I've got to say, Simo has been my all-time fave for for the modern year. So uh, for the modern era. So, and track plays for another club, right? And who we got here? Are you saying me, Buzz? Have you, are you saying me? Well, you twisted me arm, so. Oh, that boy's not you, good but um, that's no, the all very, very good looking men. That's the first time I've had a win. How good's that? Do you know what, Buzz? Do you know what, Buzz? He needed something after twisting his ankle this morning, so you've made yeah. his day. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Right about that. Yeah, he, right about that. a bit of a sook. <laughs> 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 You've made him happy, Buzz. All right, we're going to preview this guy. Got a big one, like we said. Grand final review. It was an unbelievable game. Uh, I, I'm sure you all watched it, but uh, I, I and we'll get there. But I genuinely think I had an out of body experience in that third quarter watching what Melbourne were doing. It was unbelievable. Uh, we'll break that down for a little bit for, for the listeners, and then uh, and then we're into the Blues news and trade period uh, preview, I guess, uh, in the back half of the show with Bazia. So. Boys, without any further ado, let's get into let's it. Let's get into it. All right. We've watched the grand final, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yep. What a wild ride that was. Like... D's come out hot, firing, going, that's it. They're going to put them away early. This is just going to be something that Melbourne fans can just savour, no stress. And then all of a sudden they find themselves three goals down midway through the third. What did – and then <laughs> just the way it unfolded after that was was spectacular. It's honestly uh, – in my time, I know it was a blowout, but that is one of the best grand finals I've ever seen. Um, yeah, for two and a half quarters it was, yeah. But um, I think when, when you get a side kicking 16-4 to 1-1 one, one from the 16-minute mark of the third quarter, yeah. you, all you can do then is just be in awe of them. Yeah. Sheer amazement. Yeah. Because, I mean, as you quite correctly said, they come out of the blocks. The doggies look startled early. They were making a lot of mistakes on the back of those mistakes. I think the Ds kicked a few goals. Um and they needed to respond. And, they, you know, the Heat got put on Trelaw and Bontempelli. Second quarter, they I think they kicked about four between them. Um, I think they, they kicked about six or seven unanswered goals themselves yeah, in that did. second quarter. Yeah, to get in front. <laughs> they take a lead into half time, but we're all thinking, oh, you know, this is great. This is great for the game, you know. Like, this this will go to the end. And in the third quarter, the doggies come out bouncing. And I think when Bontempelli kicked that goal, they were three goals in front, 19 points in front. And you thought, shit. Another goal lead of the doggies, and um, Melbourne's in a bit of strife here. Mm. Um, he went off the ground, and then they responded all, well almost immediately. They just went bang, 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 and the game was again up for grabs. But the doggies couldn't get hold of the ball, so they couldn't sort of slow the game down. Uh. Melbourne just poured it on, and they actually took a what did they take about a three or four goal lead to three quarter time. Yeah. yeah how, how is a side in a grand final supposed to come from 21 points down early in the match, get in front by 19, go behind by 24, and then kick again? Yeah. 
it just goes to show how difficult it is to change the momentum of the game when it's go when it's going against you, particularly like Correct. the way it was. That's a fair um, call. Yeah. Yeah, Good sides do, also, our side doesn't. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah, but does it also not show you the 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 mentality of this Melbourne side and as oh, to yeah. why they are minor and, and now premiers? Like, oh, you know, no doubt, mate. I, I, yeah, when, yeah. when they won the minor premiership, um, uh, they came from 40-something points down, down at Geelong. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and, and Gorn kicked that goal with seconds to go or something mm-hmm. like that. Or sorry, was it after the siren? And then they won the minor premiership. Well, if you take yourselves back to you guys weren't even born, but I think it was 1987, out at Waverley preliminary final, uh, uh, sorry, uh, last game of the year, Six Kernahan takes a mark in in the forward pocket and he's got to kick that goal after the siren to win the minor premiership for the Blues in 87. Right to, to 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 knock off North. I think I know. I think I, I think I know the game you're talking about, Baz. I've seen yeah. footage. I think he I know goes back like. and he slots it. Yeah, I knew then, then that we're going to win the premiership. And I said the same thing to a few people when Gorn kicked that goal, and they and I saw the the reaction of the Melbourne players. I felt it was very similar to when Sticks did that for us back in um, in '87. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fair point. Joe and I saw it. I saw it um, last week in the reactions and the uh, or not sorry, not last week, the week prior because that's when the prelims were. It was the the contrasting reactions of the playing groups to to getting into the grand final. Mm-hmm. The dogs were up and about. You saw in the change rooms, having beers, and they were, they were it was like a party atmosphere. They'd done it on the ground. There was scenes of jubilation. Melbourne after they won their prelim knocking off the cats in the way that they did. They cut to the rooms and it was very subdued. Everyone was on their phones, just checking in with family and whatnot. There was no beers. There was nothing. It was, it was, they came out of a team meeting and they knew they still had one more step. And I, I said to, I said to my, uh, I said to my family, sorry, to my partner then, I said, the D's will not lose this flag because they know, they know that there's still one more step. They know. Yeah, people have to recognise too that Melbourne played one game in like 28 days as well. Yeah. So the difficulty to be able to overcome that as well in terms of – I know Goodwin, um, and it was obviously um, mentioned in the media, the, the physicality and the intensity that they did train at, particularly in the weeks off that they had, just to try keep the match level intensity um, and going into the games that they had. Hmm. I, I believe that Goodwin instilled that much belief in this group that whatever was thrown at him, they'd be able to overcome. I was actually very interested because both teams prior to the match, you'd say were quite even, even in game like game styles. And I was interested to see who would come out firing. And when I saw Melbourne come out like they did, I thought, this is theirs because um, hmm. they bought the heat early. And then can, I just want to mention one player that I feel got unnoticed for that massive turn in the third quarter, Okay. Jack Viney. Jack Viney, if you watch his work at stoppages, he caused absolute chaos in there, boys. That Because you, 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 you could see Bont, Smith, Trelaw, they were starting to dominate the, the centre bounce work and, and, the, and the, the work there in the middle. And Viney just started to cause a bit of havoc that would allow Oliver, 
Petrarca to get, you know what I mean? It was just, yeah, yeah. He, mm. he was sensational. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I agree with that. And I, I always like noticing players that don't get a mention. Like we all know who their best three or four were. Yeah. But it's those periphery players. I'm not saying he's periphery, by the way, but I'm just saying that, um, you know, it's good to acknowledge those who are not the highlight players. But, you know, I even thought, I thought Brayshaw and, yeah. and you know, he was good. And Christian yeah. Salem was phenomenal. Yeah. You, you, have you read his stats? I've wrote them down for you. Tell me, yeah. tell me about this for a game, for a halfback flanker, by the way. Uh, stats, 27 touches, 22 kicks, five handballs, went at 96%, one goal, eight score involvement, seven marks, seven inside 50s and seven rebounds. He set the tone from the first quarter. And anyone out there, right, I'll give you a fucking tip. If any Carlton supporter listening out there who wants to sit there ragging on us getting halfback flankers, right, he set the tone from the halfback flank, right, and that's what they're worth when they're as good as him. Yeah. yeah. And his disposal efficiency. I'll give you I'll give you a little little story in 1995, very similar to the Melbourne one you just said, Joe. Uh, 1995, late in the year, we got on this incredible roll of wins after losing to... We lost uh, to the bottom two sides, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think the boys made a bit of money out of those two losses just quietly. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, they, had to make some, they had to make something out of it. But um, late in the year, I remember... We, we, I can't remember who we beat. It was late in the year and um, and Fraser Brown, or it might have even been one of our first finals, and Fraser Brown was interviewed and they said, um, and it was on 3OW and I think it might have even been Rex said, oh, you know, you you know, you, you would have gone in the rooms and sung the song and you're all up and he goes, no, nah, we made a pledge six weeks ago that we would not sing the song after a win until grand final, after the grand final. They made a pledge not to sing the song. There you go. There you go. Salem's disposal disposal efficiency was 96%. Incredible. Stupid. And you're right, Baz. The first player that came to mind was Adam Saad for us. If we got there, it's exactly, exactly. what we're waiting to do. Exactly, that, mate. Exactly. Game, the, game, the game that Salem – I watched Salem quite closely uh, like like you probably did. I, I reckon he's a gun. I've, I've watched him all year. He's a he's a he's an absolute talent. But um, And he I hasn't been – Joe, he hasn't been a talent from day one. It's taken him – it's taken him bloody how – old how old is he? Oh, he's probably 26, I'd say. He's probably hit stuff in his straps. At least. Yeah, he's maybe even 20, more. He's 26. 26. Okay. So here we are lauding a bloke that, and he's probably been a good player for two, three years now, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. You guys would tell me better yeah. or not. But I mean, at the end of the day, it takes time. Yeah. But also, but also, the, uh, I think he's been given the freedom under Goodwin in the, in the past couple of years to really utilize what his weapons are. And that's his running power and it's his foot. It's his, it's his oh. left foot and his kicking. His kicking is. I know everyone talks about Caleb Daniel and and some others as, as being the best kicks in the comp. For me, Christian Salem has been doing it for the better part of, of the last three years. And what you saw in grand final, it's exactly what they needed uh, in that game to, to yeah, really absolutely. get a lot better. You mentioned another yeah, one. Good. You mentioned another one I just want to touch on, Angus Brayshaw. For me, I know everyone talks about Petrarca's game, Norm Smith, Bailey Fritch kicking six goals. The moments that Brayshaw had in that game, the, yeah. Like just the key moments, 
in the third quarter. There were a couple. There were probably two or three. We took a couple of big marks, took on a couple of tackles and broke some lines, kicked a goal. Mm. Those moments for me were as critical as any other player on the park for any of that game because yeah. and, and I just wanted to I want to call out Angus Brasher as someone that I think was a little bit underrated in all of that as being probably on the day top five to be honest I think he was top five on the day yeah for me Angus Brayshaw it wasn't even those the marks the the goal um his running power but I think there was one mo- or two moments they were only in the space of probably 30 40 seconds something like that and um he went to spoil a contest um, in the defensive 50 and then probably 34, 40 seconds later. So putting his body on the line, 30, 40 seconds later, he was on the wing winning a two-on-one, you know? So it's those moments that sort of spring, you know, other players, um, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, uh, 100% Jules. The other thing I wanted to to mention, guys, is the how united the group were. You could say after every goal, in every contest, in everything that they did, they were a team. They were a unit. They played to their structure. They knew. I think most importantly in sport, you got to know your teammates' strengths and your teammates' weaknesses because then you can help complement that. Okay? And the, the Melbourne side did that to perfection. And I want to bring this back to our boys again because I want them to also, and I'm talking, up, talking about Jack Viney heaps here, guys, but... For me, like I said, I, I just rate him so highly. And I, and his first two games at Melbourne, when he first came, he lost by 78 points and 150 points. Now, if that to our if that to our group, especially our young players, doesn't give you belief that where you can be, if it all comes together and everything works, look, you know, that's just got to be testament to it that it's not over, you know? Yeah. Oh, by no means over. By no means. Yeah. Yeah. I feel as if the Melbourne boys, I know they spoke about it over the course of the season, um, you know, in parts in the media, but particularly in off-season, had a, a big conversations about being more selfless um, as players. And um, you can see that in terms of the way they play. Um, but you can see it in terms of their positions. You used to see, you know, Angus Brayshaw having more midfield time, like in the centre bounces, even Viney to, to a certain extent. And now they're sort of on the outside. And they're allowing Oliver and Petrarca to be there, like the main men in there. Um, and then allowing the other players just to be more of a support cast, you know? So they're basically being a bit more selfless. And that's all it is. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And I agree with what you said too, Dan. Um, there's no doubt about, um, you know, Viney and, and, and all that. I think even the kid, the rising star. Um, what, oh, Jackson, what a player. Yeah, I, th- I thought he had moments in the game. Just some big marks. Um, I think he yeah. took took the ruck duel a bit Third more than quarter. what he normally would. Um, I think his role was pretty significant. But I, I look at Melbourne and I sort of think if that was Carlton this year, well, let's not say it was a final because we're, we're far away from that. But if that was Carlton and we got away to a fly and the opposition kicked six or seven and then, um, then the opposition kicked the first three of the third, do you reckon we would have? Um... No chance. No. That's. I mean, that's that's the gap, right? That's that's our gap. Is that there's no consistency. There's no. There, there was no um, unit like what Jules spoke about. There's, there was no unification across every single line. And Dan, we spoke about this last week in the game that we watched. Uh, Dees versus the Blues, and we had Caden Caden on last week. Uh, and I was wrapped for Caden last night. I sent him a little message. I said, "Mate, you must be." 
he must be wrapped. He, he didn't message me back for a while. I think he was he was deep into into a few frothies. But um, no, it, it's I we said it at that game where Melbourne played us this year. The biggest difference that I saw was when Melbourne set up behind the play. There was unification across every single. Everyone knows their role. Every single player knew their role. There was a sweeper. There was there was a clear formation that you saw all the way up the park. When you saw the blue set up behind the ball, it was just you couldn't even identify with it. I spoke about this with you as well, Baz, during the week. Mm. We not there's no identity. There was no identity to our game this year. Um, and there was no consistency in the way that we played it. And, and obviously the messaging that was getting across to the boys, because if, if it was consistent enough, they would have switched on and they would have switched on a lot earlier to go, well, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to play. And it's something that Simon Goodwin at Melbourne has instilled within that group to go, you know your roles, you know mm. the game will turn, but it's always going to come back. And when we get our opportunity, capitalise. Mm. For me, it's not only the, the structure that Melbourne have, but it's the the manner in which they bark orders. And you can see that particularly from like Stephen May, Lieberg, obviously because they're behind the ball, they can see everything. Um, but it's the intensity and the directness that they do have. So when I say that, it's the sharpness that they see something and straight away, instantly they get on top of it. So all the players are aware. It's a sharpness. You can't, you know, you can't have that one, two, three second delay because once, you know, that you have that amount of time, the ball's gone and it's out of the contest. So... Yep, spot on, Jules. You've got to have um, coaches on the boundary line. You've got to have coaches in the box, and you've got to have coaches on the ground. Mm. Hawthorne, Geelong, Richmond—they've all had coaches on the ground. And, and you know, when I say they have coaches, they have players that identify what you just said and react immediately. And you know, it might be just a small thing, but you know, our leadership group unfortunately need a yeah, they need a long look at themselves. Yeah, for sure. That leadership's a thing that we've lacked, I feel, in our side. Um, but also, all that can't happen, guys, unless you, your whole group, coach, assistants, players, board, believe in the mission, and it's all one. That's that's, and that's what you can see with teams that win premierships. Yeah, they're all they're all striving towards that same goal. Not one area has one thing, one area has another one, because it just becomes. The, the lapses in communication from all lines just become all jumbled. So, well, I think you're right. I think you're right in that in that respect because I look at it from a point of view that um, I watched the Melbourne players that um, were unfortunately didn't make the side, and there would have been three or four probably I don't know close that probably played games throughout the year and thought they might have been in that side or should have been in that side. But they were happy. They were happy people, you know. Even um, after the prelim, uh, Joe and, and whoever said that they were quite subdued, you could see that the the happiness that the group had was not just the 22 or 23, sorry, that, that played, but it was also the, the 10 or 15 that didn't play. And this is what I want to instill at Carlton is that, your 45th player on your list is just as important as the number one on the list. And, you know, you've got a leadership group, sure, that there might be five or six or seven people, but you've got to allow your 45th player to put his hand up in a meeting and say what he wants to say. And, and he's got to be listened to. 
because he yeah. might have something you know really good to say. But if you know if you, but he's also got to open himself up to a challenge. You know, they might the leadership group might say, you know, that's fine, kid, but you know, this is the way we do things here or whatever else. But I guess if you don't have that unity across the board, what have you got? Mm. You know, what have you got? Yeah, I, I listen to Mark McClure talk. Uh, Wayne Johnson talk, um, anyone from those eras back then, they all say that they didn't even listen to what the coach had to say. Mm. They didn't even listen. It went in one ear and out the other. But what they did do is if if pl certain players didn't adhere to team rules, mate, they challenged each other. And you wouldn't get a game if you kept doing the wrong thing on the ground. Yeah. Forget about what the coach said. It was players who were actually taking hold of that group back then. Mm. That's leadership. Mm. Yeah. It's important as well in terms of like having the collective buy-in and um, like the 45 players. And like you said, Baz, in terms of having one and 45 being really important to the list, and they all are because even in terms of training standards, you know, you want, you want the, you know, not the 22 or 23 you know, every week now, you want the, mm. you know, the 24th player to the 45th player all pushing Absolutely spot on 22, mate. 23. And that's yep. the, and particularly with Melbourne the last 28 days, because obviously they only had the one game mm. and they spoke about it as well. They basically said, um, I think, I think it was Lever. I think it was after the prelim, one of his um, interviews that he did have, he said the other players that were pushing us throughout the last couple of weeks has been instrumental to our, you know, intensity at training to be able to perform on game day. Mm. If they didn't have that, they wouldn't be able to perform at the level. Yep, for sure. It's a it's a really good point because I watch a lot of basketball and in the NBA, um, they speak about, you know, there's obviously five players on a court and those five players that start usually play most of the minutes. They're the ones that really drive the majority of the game. But someone like Kobe Bryant, he said in interviews, you know, the, the guys that don't play any minutes, of course they should still get a ring because they're pushing me at, in the gym at practice. They're pushing me to get better and better and better. And if they're not there pushing me to get better, then I can't do what I need to do for the team. And it poses – it's a question that's always come up about AFL and it was something I really thought about last night probably for the first time, seeing someone like Jaden Hunt who played 21 games this year, got injured, couldn't find his way back into the side for the grand final. Someone like Nathan Jones who played 302 games for the Melbourne Football Club through hard times just, you know, unfortunately – Father Time caught up to him at, at the wrong time for him and and wasn't able to play. Um, you know, there's Melksham. Regardless of for me, for me, I'm not I'm not so much of a traditionalist with footy in the way of a lot of a lot of things. And for me, the one thing that needs to change and it needs to change very quickly. Uh, and I've got a very strong opinion on this is that not just. It's, it's not just the players and the head coach that should get a medal on grand final day. You can present it on grand final day, that's fine. But for me, it's an organisation that drives that success. It's, it's top to bottom an organisation that drives success on field. And it's something we've been screaming out at Carlton for, for off-field and on-field on field leadership. For me, it's not just the playing group. So whether it's player number one to 45 that should get a medal, it's the assistant coaches. It's the analysts. It's It's the accountant that, that that runs payroll, like all of these people buy into one culture, all of these people buy into the idea of success and the ultimate success in football is winning a premiership. And to see players alone miss out 
based on a hard luck injury story or based on age or based on whatever it may be, it just kills me every single year knowing that they put in as much work on the training track or off-field or, or, or whatever as the 23 that play, 23 now at the medical sub, on mm. grand final day. Hey, look, it's a good point. I think I think if you ask most players in that position, I'm not sure that they'd value it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I feel like as if they're – like the players now, they've grown up knowing that it's the 22 or 23s, and they're probably more traditionalists, I would say. Um, mm. Whether the, that's society, the way society is going – it's probably different, but for a player, I would say, yeah, they're 22, 23. I think, Joe, I think I understand where you're coming from, but I think say like, for example, your accountants, the, the people behind the scenes, I think just the culture alone and seeing the premiership come to the club is enough is enough satisfaction for these for these people in the organization to to feel success. Yeah, and, and I'm not I'm not saying you have to take it to the extreme like some NBA franchises do by giving absolutely everyone in the organisation a ring or a medal. But, you know, for me, it, it broke my heart looking at Jaden Hunt going, it's just yeah. a hard luck injury. Like he played literally every single game after round 21, got injured, couldn't find his way back because <laughs> yeah. someone, was, someone played themselves into form. So I think it was Jake, uh, Jack Bowie, or Jake Bowie, whatever his name is, uh, that played his way into form in his fifth game of AFL football, won a, won a premiership, you know? Hmm. I'm getting depressed talking about Melbourne, by the way. <laughs> We're going to move on. We're going to move on. That, and and, and say, envious at the same time. All, all I want to say is we, we are going to move on to the Carlton portion of the show, but all I want to say is that last minute of the third quarter, I've watched it back four times today, and I don't think I've ever seen a blitz from a team in a grand final in such a short period of time that just buried the game like what they did. That was phenomenal to watch. That was genuinely, it was something that I don't think I've ever seen with the amount of football that I've watched. Comes down to one thing. Jules, you're going to love this comment because you're the biggest fan of it. Scoreboard pressure. Yeah. So, And that's the thing. Like even when when Bulldogs were on top, okay, during that second and part um, first half of the third quarter, Melbourne still had their scoring opportunities. It was just that they were kicking points. Mm. Yeah. In terms of actual shots yeah. on goal, it was actually yeah. very, very similar. It wasn't as uh, if they yeah. were far apart. It was just scoreboard pressure. That was that was. I think they were, they were five goals ten when the dogs were nine goals five six or five nine, nine five fifty nine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, spot on. Yeah. And, and what what the grand final showed me is something that we're bereft of, and that's a midfield. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah. Tell me how glaring that is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting antsy now. I want to get into Carlton while we've got Baz here because I'm, 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 I'm starting to get. Well, the only thing started. I know, boys. You're starting to jam <laughs> up a bit here, Baz. You're starting to jam up. Let's move on. Blues news, trade period preview. Before we get into all of that, Baz, we've got you today. It'd be remiss of us if we didn't let you. Give us your thoughts overall on uh, on or your take on on the blue season in twenty twenty one. I think I, I sort of got an under, some sort of idea. I've spoken to you a few times of, of what might be coming here, but um, you know, it was a tough year, like you said. Uh, but if you could summarise it in in your own little take, you know, what, what did you think? We're going to take a deep breath. <laughs> um, I want to just say that. Um, I started the year thinking that 
we could win 10 games of footy. And it would have been the first time we got to double figures since probably 2011 or something like that. And I thought, I'll give it a low base. I'll give them an out. thought, you know, 10 wins, might finish ninth, 10th, something like that, hoping that would actually do better than what I thought and that we might actually slip into that eighth spot that Essendon took just quietly, who I consider a very mediocre side. So when you watch game after game after the after game and we only won eight games and lost 14, and of those 14, I reckon 10 of them we lost pretty much in the same manner, I'm disappointed. Um, I felt numb after every game that we lost and some of the wins, by the way. Just felt empty. I felt lied to. And I would consider this year, for me, one of the worst years I've endured as a Carlton supporter. And I'll tell you why. When you're filled with promise and you're filled with um, hope, and they deliver what they delivered week in, week out, regardless, regardless of, you know, defensive structure and blah, 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 and the way the coach couldn't get a message through or this or that or in, in injuries or whatever, whatever. You still go out 22 on the ground to do a job. And 14 times they couldn't do the job. Eight times they did the job on sides beneath them and around them. They made no inroads whatsoever, whatsoever, into at least matching it with the, the better sides in the competition. They went backwards from the year before where they took on at Geelong at Cadinia Park and knocked them off and knocked off Footscray, uh, Western Bulldogs, by nine goals up in up at the Gold Coast. And the year before, they beat the Bulldogs by 45. And last year, right, Gave Melbourne a seven-goal head start at Eddie Had, reeled them in, reeled them in, and Melbourne kicked one point in the second half, right, and that was enough to beat us that day. So where have we gone from there? Where have we gone? I'll tell you where we've gone. We sack another fucking coach, right? We sack a CEO. We sack every assistant coach. We've already sacked a coach before this coach. We sacked the CEO before this CEO. We sacked the list manager. We sacked the footy manager, David Mackay, before this bloke who's in here, Lloyd, right? So off field, in the footy department alone, we've just about scrap heaped everybody in six years. And in those six years, you know how many players we've got rid of in six years? I venture to say about between 60, 70 players. And we want continuity, cohesion, and all the buzzwords. Mate, I, I swear to you, this year was one of the biggest nothing years. For me to sit on a couch, watch a game, get myself ready to watch a game and expect a bit of something and then 
the three or four goal turnaround was enough to snuff us out. I don't think we ever made inroads when we went behind in a game. You boys might correct me if I'm wrong. But generally speaking, when we went behind, we, we, we turned our toes up. This year behind us, new coach, new assistants, some trades, whatever, new uh, fucking president. It, it's a reset. I feel it's a reset. There's no doubt about that. And, and let's hope that, you know, next year they get their act together and can start playing some decent, honest football. Honesty. bit of honesty, boys. Yeah. Look each other in the eye and challenge each other. Yeah. yeah. On and off the ground. But at the moment, I'm sorry, this year, no. One of the worst. One of the <laughs> worst. Given the circumstances of the list, mm. what they promised us and what they delivered. I think that's the biggest Rando. thing. Guys, I, think, I think that's, mate... <laughs> I was in awe when you were speaking, but that's the biggest. That's the biggest thing is what they promised us. Yeah, and that's what we hold them accountable for. And it's interesting because obviously Sayers and um, you know it's been in the um, in a lot of interviews now that next year it's finals. You know, so they're 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 giving us hope and and promise for next year already as well. You know, in the media. Yeah. So it's I think he poured cold water to... on that, Jules. Sorry, yeah, he, he poured cold water the, the other day when he yeah. said, "Look, it's not all about finals, is it?" Is he, he actually said, um, "Is it? Is it all about? We don't make finals. Is that um, you know? Uh, is that the be all and end all? No, it's not." Yeah, he backtracked he a little bit. Yeah, he did, so yeah. I, I guess we all understand how difficult it is to play finals. Only one team wins a grand final out of eighteen. When we we're a powerhouse, we we're one out of twelve. Mm. Now it's one out of 18. So, mm -hmm. and, you know, technology, everything, you know, everyone's up with what they're supposed to do these days. But, um, you know, this club needs to get going. They need to get going. And, Jules, if it's next year, they play finals the year after, whenever it is, right, when you make it, we've got to make it and sustain it and yeah, build on it. Sure. Um, is it – is it – Sorry, George, just quickly. Baz, is it more so we're talking about next year, right? So and they've said finals, poured cold water on it, no problem. What is what is pass mark? What is what is realistically what is the pass mark? Is it is it as simple as we don't go backwards? Is it as simple as we just need some sort of progression from the shit that we saw this year? Oh, definitely, mate. Definitely. Pass mark for me is more than 10 win, 10 wins and above. Um, pushing top sides, getting a victory, having tight matches against top sides, top sides, and winning them, being involved right to the last minute, but showing us that they actually roll their sleeves up and they care about the monogram sitting on their chest. That's, yeah. you know, you've got to... You've got to have something in place that players want to strive for. And if that's finals, of course it's finals. That's what we all want. So a failure to me is not necessarily finals. It's about how we play, how we conduct ourselves from week to week, 
the consistencies, the inconsistencies, the improvements, the lack of improvements. You, you'll, you guys will study the games from week to week. I'm sure you will, right? And you'll do it to death. But at the end of the year, you've got to evaluate that year. And if you didn't make finals, it can still be a pass mark. It can. But they will have wanted to be involved in a lot of games of footy. Right to the very end. Correct. I'll tell you that yeah. much. Well, maybe I'm giving them a little bit of an out there. Maybe I'm getting a little bit, you know, I'm probably giving a little bit of an out. You know, you boys, maybe it's finals. I don't know. But um, you, we, I'll tell you one thing. I don't want that numb feeling again. Yeah. I know Voss, um, obviously, in his interviews, has said he wants Carlton to be playing a powerful brand of football. Yeah. Um, but before we touch on um, the coaching and obviously Voss's appointment, which I'm sure we will, um, I just want to touch on Baz in terms of what you were talking about in terms of con um, continuity um, across the board, not only just players, but obviously in terms of coach and um, and in terms of the committee and the board and whatnot. You have a look, to look at um, teams that have been successful in the past 20-odd years with the likes of – and I'm talking about sustained success. So I'm talking the likes of Geelong, you know, they've won three four premierships and, you know, mm -hmm. been, um, you know, in and around – in finals for the better half of, you know, 15 or so years. And your likes of Richmond the last four or five years, obviously not being as successful this year. Um, even Hawthorne as well. And even Sydney and, 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 and the like as well. Um, do you think the change this year – um, do you think that it's it was needed to happen in terms of the dramatic fashion in which it has? Or do you feel like as if um, we've changed too many pillars too quickly? Uh, look, at the start of the year, I wouldn't, wouldn't have dreamed of um, our coach getting the sack at the end of this year. Oh, I didn't foresee that personally. Hmm. Assistant coaches, yes, I could see that a couple would have got moved on. Um, CEO, I thought he was doing a reasonable job. Um, so in answer to that, I think once you call for an external review mid-year, and at that stage were four wins and eight losses, and they knew that we are in a bit of strife, and I, I would imagine that Sayers knew he was taking over at the end of the year, and imagine, you know, the type of bloke he is, he wanted to make sure he knew what was going on. He wanted to know what was going on. And if that took an external review to find out exactly what was happening, then the external review pretty much solely looked at the coach and I think Dale Amos, but they also had already, or oh, I think Barker had already left, yeah. Stanton had already left. Um, the only one that survived was Cam Bruce, which had a year to go on his contract and then he's asked for three years and they said, mate, I can walk, you know. So whatever. You know, I don't mind the clean slate, Jules. I don't mind like shifting the whole lot. Mm -hmm. As long as what you bring in gels and I sort of it, – it's hard to answer your question because I haven't got a crystal ball to tell you what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. So. As long as Voss and his assistants mm -hmm. know exactly what they're doing, then, yeah, I would say that what they had to do is what they had to do. And, look, the CEO basically, you know, he said, you're going to back me or sack me. So I said, I'll fucking sack you. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah. in terms my advice would be not to ask this bloke back me or sack me. Yeah. I, I, my, my advice would be he's ruthless, mate. He's ruthless. Yeah, and so, I can I can tell. You can tell. Oh, he's ruthless. He's, yeah, mate, you, you can don't tell. run eight, eight years consecutively. Prize Waterhouse Coopers as a CEO, yeah. um, where it's an elected position, and mm. you, you start you don't run eight years, mate. So he's yeah. ruthless. Yes, he's been on the board for about eight or nine years himself. So has he been neglected in in what he has brought to the table over eight years? Uh, he, possibly, yeah. You know, possibly. Possibly, yeah. but now that he's in the chair, it's his yeah. chair. Mm. So yeah. you're going to see some changes, I believe, from a pretty good source that he's already read the right act to everyone in the footy club, everyone read the right act. Um, so they will not accept anything but high performance. That's it's all I want to hear. And that's, that's, what, that's what we want to hear and it's what it's what this club's needed to hear and it's the reality check that I think they've needed if that is the case, Baz, for, for a, a few years now. I, we're gonna, I think we're going to unpack this a little bit more once we get into, obviously, we're going to talk about Voss and, and the announcement and whatnot uh, to finish off the show. Before, and it was a great take on the season too, Baz, I, I think I said, uh, I said before the show that that sort of take, we haven't really had boys where it was kind of like it's actually, especially from someone like you, Baz, that... You know, you spoke about the Carlton show. You went through some tough times with the Carlton show and that was some of the darkest years. And then you come out and say this has been the toughest year of the lot. It surprised me a little bit. It, it did. It actually surprised me a little bit because I would have thought that, you know, the two-win season or, you know, some of the 150-point consecutive losses and, and all of that sort of stuff, that that would have been a lot harder to take. But I can understand where you're coming from. I, I do see that point of view considering, considering the hope that we were given and considering mm. that we had the list there to really do something special yeah. and fizzled yeah. out. We just fizzled out. Uh, That's right. Yeah. So the, basically what I'm saying is that those years when I was doing the Carlton show, total rebuild, when you were going to get lose, when you were going to only win two or three games, we knew that. We knew that, right? But the start of the year, if someone had said to you three boys, oh, we're going to win eight games of football only against the bottom eight side, uh, the bottom ten sides, and we're going to lose 14 pretty much to every side in the eight, and we're going to lose between three goals and whatever. You're taking that on the chin at the start of this year? No, no, no chance. No chance. No well, you know what then? Fuck them, right, and give it to them between the eyes and tell them how it is. And that's, that's what, what I want to say. At the end of the day as supporters, we've had to sit through six years of an absolute waste of time. So do you know what? Why not next year can we not demand – why can't we demand results? Why can't we demand a lot – you know what, a considerable amount of improvement considering well, the changes that we're going to make? It's not just that, though. It's demanding, like what Baz said, high performance. Just mm. demand better standards from the football club and the wins will come, boys. They will yeah. come. You, you, can't, you can't just say, we want wins. It's got to be – you've got to look at what the catalyst for those wins are. And the catalyst is better – Standards, yeah. higher performance around the football club across every single line, and the wins are going to come naturally. Dan, Jules, you boys have played soccer long enough. You you boys know what it's like to be in a club that is high-performing across every level, and you know what it's like to be at a club that is low-performing across every level and how that translates to training standards, to off-field standards, to game-day standards. Polar opposites. It's it's as simple as, and, it, and I'm glad – and we're going to talk about it when we talk about Voss. I'm glad that he's already come out and said 
We want to play a powerful brand, but we need to start setting higher standards at this football club from the outset, from yeah, the get-go. And the thing is, people don't understand too, is it, ha- it changes very quickly. And when I say changes, you look at the likes of when Richmond won their premiership, even Melbourne this year. Last year, they were out of the eight. They weren't in the eight. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. it, it changes very quickly if you keep the high standards. It does. It does. We're gonna we're gonna unpack this a little bit more when we talk about Voss, but bef- and I'll, I want to get into the Blues news part um, now. We've got a few things to cover. First off, I just want to pay respects to to John Elliott, the great man. Um, I mean, I, I never really being twenty seven years old, Dan. I know you're twenty eight. Jules twenty nine. I don't think we ever really saw the impact that John Elliott had. We've only really heard the stories. <laughs> Um, it's actually good to have you on today, Baz, because I'm sure you're someone that can give us some some really good insight into the into the 20 year presidential reign of of the great man. Um, I read a few stories. My dad told me a few stories during the week. He loved loved a cigarette, loved a cigar in the social club. Actually, I'll shout out my dad quickly, otherwise he'll kill me. He said the D's would win by 72 plus, so he nailed it on the weekend. Oh well. wow! Yeah, um, but he told me a few stories about John Elliott and whatnot when I asked him. And uh, and this guy, you know, he oversaw some of the most successful days of this football club. Baz, have you got any memories of, of Big Jab? Did you ever did you ever get the opportunity to meet the great man? I'm sure you did. Any any stories out of that uh, well, era? To be, honest with you, to be honest with you, back then I, I wasn't a social club member. I wasn't really into the, um, you know, getting to know people at the club and that sort of stuff. Yeah, as closest to the club I knew was Steve Silvani because I went to school with him and... Um, and Andy Ma because he did a little bit of journalism and what have you. So in terms of meeting him, like, you know, I might have walked past him and said, G'day, that type of stuff. He was outside the MCG having a having a gasper, uh, that sort of thing, you know, or, you know, if he was inside having a gasper and telling them all where to go. Um, but, look, he was larger than life. There's no doubt about it. Larger than life, passionate man, said what was on his mind, didn't care. I mean, he'd come from a different era, mate, boys. I give it that much, like... He didn't care about what he said and who he offended. It was a different era, right, but that's who he was. That's who Jack was. Love him or hate him, that club under his tenure, we had some wonderful times. And, yes, at the end, um, you know, things went a little bit pear-shaped there and he may well have been part of that. But you know what? You don't rain on his parade. Uh, on his parade. Um, I do recall after the... 95 grand final, um, uh, there was a, a function, an after function at the, at the Radisson in in, in, uh, in St Kilda or something other, and Andy Marr was there and, and whatever. And we weren't, me and Gex weren't there, but he, he rings us at like about up past 10 at night and he says, boys, boys, I can get you in, I can get you in, you know. So come down, you know. So me and Gex, you know, hop in a taxi, get down there. <laughs> and obviously, um, and sauce organized to sneak us through so in we go just as we enter and it's a big function right it's a big function and jack's up on the dais jack elliott's up on the dais and he goes right oh right oh it's time to round, round up some money for the boys they've got to go you know they've they've done the right thing they've won the premiership today how about putting something something out of your pockets um and let's get let's get them on a footy trip you know, they need some pocket money for the footy trip. They've got to go on a footy trip. Well, who's going to start it off? Well, mate, some of the hands that were going up, pledging 5,000, 5,000, 5,000, 5,000, 10,000, right? 
he got to 50,000 in 30 seconds. From, and I don't want to say who, but they're obviously big players of Carlton Footy Club. So they get the 50 grand. He goes, yeah, 50 grand. Yeah, it's not bad. But they're worth a lot more than 50 grand. <laughs> so, bang, another five, another ten. He got to 100 grand within oh, another another two minutes, right? Pledged by Carlton mad people who loved premierships. And Jack instigated that. Jack was Carlton. That's who he was. Wes Lofts was his sidekick. You know, um, what was he? Um, oh, head of match committee or something rather, or cha chairman of selectors, as they used to call it, right? And um, he was he was great for the club for that era. And um, yeah, look, sad to see that he, he passed in in those circumstances. And um, you know, he. I'm not saying that the way he ran things is the way you need to run them today, totally different circumstances. But I think, Joe, I asked you a few weeks ago when we spoke, I said, can you remember, you know, I'm asking for a person to come into this football club. I'm pleading for someone to come into this football club, whether you're a captain, a coach, a football director, a football general manager, a CEO or a president, one of those six positions, can somebody please... Please, I'm pleading with someone to come into this football club and take the bull by the horns and run good standards and values, which creates a good culture. So I, I need somebody to take over the mantle because I can't think of one in the last 20-something years. I'm not sure that you boys can actually come up with a name that you're proud of that ran this football club and ran those, you know, ran the culture, ran the standards and values and the high performance and all the rest of it. I, 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 you might be able to throw up a few names, but trust me, I'm talking about, you know, and I'm not saying Jack Elliott's culture and standards and values were were high in morals in, the, in society, but when you talk about a football club, he got results. And when Demanded. Jack, he, well, he did, absolutely he did. Six Kernahan yeah. was another one, right? Yeah. Powerful man. So, but in your tenure of the footy club, is it probably all going like, no, I'm not sure, Baz, that I can honestly I don't think we can anyone. because we haven't seen success. Yeah. So, but we haven't, no. but we haven't, but Baz, you got to understand what the, the most recent years, right? We've had, we've had presidents and, and CEOs and, and whoever focus on getting the club back to financial success, which is fine. Yeah, good point, it. mate. Yeah, good it's point. It's part of it, right? It's, it's a part of it. I, I get it. I yeah. understand yeah. it. But, but hey, so you, know we could, you know how we could have got rid of the $7 million? By winning flags. Oh, winning. Win, I, a, I win, a, win a premiership and they would, would have oh, got yeah. rid of the $7 million overnight. Well, I absolutely agree. I, and this is, this is what I'm going to say is, you know, by the same token, we've had those same people stand up there literally and tell us wins and losses don't matter. So, no, there's no one that I've seen in my time being a Carlton supporter at the age of 27 that has demanded success as a standard. And that's, mm. you know, we've touched on it a couple of times. That's what I'm looking for going forward. There should be no other – nothing else should be accepted. There should be nothing less accepted from, from this football club than success. And by success, it's winning premierships. And it doesn't – you don't have to win flags every single year. I understand it's a different era. It's, a, it's the modern era of football. It's not 12 sides playing out of Victoria. It's, 
it's 18 clubs, probably soon going to be 19 with Tassie, maybe 20 with a Northern Territory side. It's a, it's a, it's a, almost a super league of a competition. It's very hard yeah. to win flags, but you want to see success every now and then. You can't Absolutely. go, you can't go 30 years, 35 years, 40 years without a flag. It's just, it, it is unacceptable. Yeah. And we're already at 26, and if we don't start to turn that around, it's just going to become harder and harder and harder. Yeah, um, it's funny you mentioned that in terms of actual. Um, you know, winning and that bringing a financial aspect to it. I was watching a um, an interview um, with um, it was Paul. So it was they were interviewing um, Brian Cook, and it was Paul Ruse, and I can't remember the other gentleman's name. And he basically said the best to get money through the door, the best way to do it is winning games of football. Simple as that. But going on to that, um, what are your thoughts about the um, obviously getting Brian Cook to the club? What are your thoughts? My thoughts, yeah. Well, I mean, he's the best in the business, so yeah, um, that that's 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 a big coup. But I'm one of these that I'm always. Um, it's great to get these people through the door. Um, you know, had we've got Clarkson, Cook, you know, Sayers talks up a big game and all the rest of it. So these are good people coming through the door. But just because it happened at West Coast for him and just because it happened at um, Geelong for him and, you know, had we have got Clarkson, which we didn't, but had he have come just because it happened at Hawthorne for him, it just doesn't automatically mean it's going to happen at Carlton. You know, what you bo- what boys spoke about before Melbourne, you talked about, you didn't talk about the CEO, you didn't talk about their president, you didn't talk about just the coach, you talked about everyone in the footy club getting on the same page. If you're not everybody on the same page, doesn't matter if you've got Brian Cook, Clarkson, JC, it doesn't matter who you've got, you're not going to get what you want. Mm. So think about, don't, don't get too bogged down in the individuals. More so think about what you spoke about Melbourne and let's try and instill that at Carlton as in total inclusion. But now, don't you feel as though with the new appointment of CEO, et cetera, that there is now a common goal and a common focus, as they've mentioned, high performance? There is now a common thing where they're saying, okay, you're coming on. Like Brian Cook for me was sensational because at the end of the day, he knows how to run a successful football club. Yep. That's a fair comment. That's a fair comment. I, I, I guess I don't want to place all my eggs in the one basket, I'm saying that him oh, coming yeah. is great. But I tell you what, him coming, he might sift a few out too. Yeah, and that's, and you know out. what? And that's, yeah. If we're talking about, we're going to finish off on John Elliott here. If we're talking about John Elliott, I'm sure, and the stories I've heard, if you weren't on board, if you weren't on board with the idea, you were gone as quickly gone. as what you came in. So, and, and you know what? Where's Lofts? Where's Lofts was the same, Joe. If, if, yeah. where's, if where's Lofts didn't like you, you didn't wear a Carlton jumper, mate. And and I'll tell you, I know, I know we're in a different sort of era with PC culture and whatnot and cancel culture and whatever you want to call it, but maybe it is a little bit of a kick up the ass that some people need these days. I'm I'm actually I'm kind of a little bit for it, to be honest. If, oh, it, if you it need it. Yeah. You need it. And that's what I want Voss to bring in as well. Like let's just let's just start talking about Voss boys because the end of the let's day. Let's go. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. The end of the day, Voss, all right, you've appointed him. Now the end, he has to set standards. From the get-go, okay. One thing I like about him, you're not, you're not, you cannot question his leadership abilities. Okay. As a player, yeah. I mentioned it last week. 
as a player, you had to have five players come in when he retired as co-captains. Okay? Sums it up. The other thing I liked was the fact that he mentioned robust, consistent, and sustainable brand of football. That's what he wants to instill in this side. All right? Mm. And for me, that speaks volumes as to what we've been lacking. Now, how he gets the message across, we need to see. It didn't happen yeah. when he was in Brisbane. Okay? Um, and that's where, again, he, he – and he knows there's an expectation on him to, yeah. to deliver. So that's – yeah, that's my question, Mark. No, no doubt in terms of his leadership abilities on field. It's just whether he has the um, to be able to transmit it across a football club and directly to the players in terms of yeah. in terms of his messaging. But Jules, this is what I was going to say about the link. Now, mm. Sayers, Cook have now got an expectation on Voss, so he's accountable. So now Voss needs to bring this expectation onto the players. Every player needs to be accountable. If you're not, and 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 it's you're right, Michael Voss, 35th coach of the Carlton Football Club. What is he, the seventh coach? I think since the turn of the century. I think I've got that right. Either the sixth or the seventh. We've had an average tenure of two years, three years. Baz, we spoke during the week, and we touched on this. Yep, what he's saying, the words. All of that I'm buying into. I'm, I'm, I'm fully buying into a new philosophy, a new leadership, a new system, whatever. As a fan, as a player, you've got to do that too. And as a player, it's going to take time. As an organisation, it's going to take time to buy into the new philosophy, the new leadership, the new culture, the new systems. Going into next year, I know we've touched on it and I know we've said that, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the pass mark would be to just be better and not, not go backwards. Um, do we have to call for patience here across the fan base again? Because for me, I don't want to see I'm, – I'm all in for four years. I know he's got a contract for three years. I'm in for four or five. I'm in for four or five with Voss. I want to see – you said it yourself, Dan, during the week. I want to fall in love with a coach again. I'll not fall in love, but I want to, I want to gravitate towards a coach that I can really hang on to for four or five-plus years. Baz – where are you at with that? Because you, you know, when you were our age and you were watching this club go through periods of success, you saw coaching tenures of seven years, eight years. You know, David Parkin came in twice for, 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 for long tenures. I haven't seen a coach coach more than four years at this club since since the turn of the century. Yeah, you know, Dennis Payton, four years. Brett Ratton, four years. Like, Well, I also come in, a, in an era where we had two Captain coaches, mm. <laughs> John Nichols, 70, uh, sorry, 72 as a captain coach. Barassi, talk about Barassi, you know, in, in what it was, 68 and 70. I mean, there's some big names there. And then Jezelenko, captain coach in 79. Then Parkin and Walls, you know, Walls got the chop after, I think he lost the prelim. The following year, I think round seven, we weren't travelling the best and they got rid of him. He just won a prelim the year before. So, you know, it's it's a tough one, but I also come up in an era. I was born in 64, so I think we started sort of coming good around about 67 till about 2000. That's a 33-year period, right? Now, there's 13 grand finals in that 33-year period. Well, I think I'm right in saying 13 grand finals. That's eight, winning, yeah, eight winning, five losing. But in that 33-year period, 
you'd have to go through the record books and just I, I reckon we only missed finals about half a dozen times in those 33 years. That's phenomenal. Well, that is dead set phenomenal. I mean, we're talking about Hawthorne now at 10 years or well, they haven't been in finals for a while now. Geelong, Sydney, you, you bring up Jules and mm. they're, they're great examples for the modern era. But we were a side at the start of the year. It wasn't about where we're going to finish. It was about where we're going to finish in the finals. First, second, third or fourth. Or when the five came in, fifth, you know. That's, that's where it stood with us. It was always about finals. So basically, for me, it was like an era that I was too... It was an era that I come up with that I, I can't cope with today's era. I actually can't cope with it. And, and I feel extremely sorry for boys your age and, and my daughter, she's 26 next in a couple of weeks' time, um, that she, she's seen nothing. So many of you guys have seen nothing and, and nothing but probably DVD replays. It kills me. It kills me that you guys have to listen to your parents, your uncles, your aunties, your older friends, idiots like me, who all we can talk about is the past. I'm sick and tired of talking about the past. Yeah. And I'm sick and tired of talking about, or sorry, people I hear, all they do individualise. You know, 1995, 1999, we beat Essendon by a point in a prelim. I couldn't tell you who we beat in prelims in all the times we won grand finals. I don't care who we what happened in a prelim. I couldn't give a stuff what happened in the prelim, right? And I don't give a stuff what happened in 99 either, right? And I don't give a stuff that Walker should have won the, the mark of the year in that year, and I couldn't give a stuff that... that, that Favola kicked 97 or 99 and should have gotten 100. And I couldn't give a stuff that Judd won the Brownlow. And I couldn't give a stuff that, that Walsh got 30 votes in a Brownlow. They're all the individual things. I couldn't give a stuff we took over the finals in, in 2013 from Essendon and they came out, the drug cheats, and we went in and won that game against Richmond. I don't give a stuff about that. Do you see where yeah. I'm coming from? When I was growing yeah. up, yeah. right, that's what the shit sides used to talk about. Yeah, spot on. It's, yeah, it's, 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 Kilda, Melbourne. They had the Brownlow medalists. They had the 100 goal kickers. We never had the Brownlow medalists. We didn't yeah. have anyone kicking 100 goals. What we did, we put the proof in the pudding. We won premierships. We played finals. That's how we used to shut them up. And when St Kilda used to knock us off out of that shit, shit oval at Moorabbin in, in a mud pile where pigs used to play, Right, when they used to knock us off there, right, they were all up and about. Oh, at least we beat Carlton. Yeah, guess who's holding up the cup, you idiot? <laughs> Where are you? Yeah. Another wooden spoon in the closet. We don't want, and that's the difference. We've never seen these things, Baz, and, and we haven't seen them. And it's good to but get you. I know, I know, I know yeah. everyone wants that, you know, because there's something to hang on to each year. I, I understand all those individual things I said. I'm probably getting a little bit too heated there and I'm just probably just trying to let people know that that's great to go back because that's all you've got to hang on to. I want you guys, the first time we play finals, to start talking about that final series and I want you to forget about everything else previously. Once we hit the finals, once we start getting our act together, and I hope it's sooner rather than later, I hope you guys start just talking about the now and what's in front of us. Because 
It's spot on. It's spot on. It's not even. It's, it's about what's in front of us, yeah. Because in 2013, that was the height of our success that I've seen. So I, was I know. I know. I know. And I do apologise. No, no, for- no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not saying it from that perspective. I'm actually saying you're right because that's the like we talk about finals. We talk about making finals. I don't. I'm like you. I don't want to talk about making finals. I want to talk about winning flags. Like mm. making finals is one thing. How do we get to that next step? Like we're not even, we're not even, we're nowhere near it. We're nowhere near taking that step. And it's like there's, it, it can turn, it can turn very quickly, like we've seen with Melbourne, like we've seen with Richmond. But to your point, Baz, as a football club, we got to know what we stand for. We got to know what our, you know, we talk about honor the past. What you've just said there is honoring the past. It's not honouring the past in, I remember when Judd kicked that goal in the 2013 elimination final, which for me as a Carlton supporter, I'll say right now, that's the peak of my supporting life for this club. That's sad. When Judd kicked that yeah. goal. That's honor, sad. But it is, Baz. And honouring the past. Really sad. It hurts me and it's sad. Honouring the past. That's your highlight. Honouring the past is what you've just said, is resetting the standard under Michael Voss under Brian Cook, under Luke Sayers, to not talk about winning elimination finals. It's to talk about winning flags so yeah. that I can say to my kids or I can say to the next generation, when I'm 57, Baz, whatever you are, or when I'm 70, to go, you guys don't know what we saw. You don't understand what we saw in a 10-year period. Mm. I, it, it's, it blows my mind when, we get, when I get to speak to someone like you or, or to my dad or to your dad, Jules, where I just go... Who is this club? Like, I don't know who that club is. That's not the Carlton I know. The Carlton and I know the, is, Chris Judd, is Chris Judd blowing an elimination final open. That's the peak of my supporting career. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't want to be the club that, you know, yeah, it's good and well making finals, but I don't want to go out, you know, in the in the first elimination final or go out if we do make top four and, you know, go out in straight sets. I want to go into the finals and know that, you know what, we're in, we're in a shot here. Like we're gonna make the granny. Do you know what I mean? I don't I don't want to yeah. be a club that just gets there and we're just making up the numbers either. When we get there, I wanna get there and I wanna push. You okay. Know? I think that's the difference too. So then why as supporters can we can we not demand a higher performance or expectation from our side? You we can absolutely do. Can. Of you course. can do. So then why you can. is here? Because, because then this is what frustrates me at the same time, because it's not about saying that. Um, making finals is the priority this year. Otherwise, it's a waste. Because do you know what? Maybe we do need to set a higher expectation and standard. Okay. And you know what? I reckon we are closer than what we think if we do get a culture, if we do get a culture and a playing style and something that, that just clicks with this group. Yeah. Maybe and they need to shut up a bit more. Yeah. It's, it's funny enough you said, said it, um, sure. Paisan, because... With Melbourne, for example, in the media post-game, they were talking about making the grand final in pre-season. And they were yeah. outside the A last year. But in the media during the pre-season, you, you, they didn't mention – I didn't hear anything about them in terms of the standards yeah. that they were setting. Boys, and keep it internal. Before. Keep Correct. it internal. That's Correct. right. Boys, boys, Melbourne boy, – just for context, for context, Melbourne finished lower than us in 2019. Yep. That's true. So, so if they can talk about, like you said, Jules and Baz, if you can internalise this and if Michael Voss 
And Luke Sayers can start to – and for me, Sayers has already started the process by stopping the media leaks and, and, and whatnot. We've seen that for what it is already. If you can start to really internalise these messages, right? Baz, you're laughing. I'm sure you've got something to say there. But Yeah, I can't if, wait to hear what he has to say. <laughs> if you can start internalising this stuff, why can't you do what Melbourne did from 2019 until now and go, fuck everyone else? What do we want to define ourselves as? Yes, what Joe, standards but- do we want to set ourselves but that's what I'm saying, that supporters and, and everyone in the club need to start making – we need to start making the team accountable. The coach needs to start making the players accountable. Otherwise and, – and set standards high. Set them high. You know, uh, this yeah. mediocre bullshit and, oh, it'll come, it'll come. We've been through it'll come. <laughs> Well, it's, it's mate, you make good points. I mean, if you want to, you set whatever standards and, and, and whatever you want for next year, that's fine. Whatever I want, that's fine. At the end of the day, whatever the four of us want, that's fine. But you know what? In the context, it means fucking squadoosh because we don't play the game. We're not there. So they, they at the club set the standards. They need to shut up, put up, and keep it internal. I don't want to hear it. Everything Voss said was fantastic. Fantastic. It sounded magnificent. I walked away thinking, fuck, we're going to win the next six premierships under this bloke. That's what me and Joe said. We spoke on the phone. But, but the facts, the reality is that the 17 other clubs trying to do what we're trying to do mm. and they might do it a little bit better or we might all of a sudden well, spring up next year who knows that's, don't that's, know. it's it's yeah. you just don't know but we can have whatever standards you want at the end of the day it means nothing what we think it means nothing it really does i mean they know they know at the club that supporters want to see finals they know we want grand finals they'd be stupid if they didn't but they didn't. Baz, they didn't because their expectation from the start was our focus is not on winning and losing. What the yeah, fuck? That's is that? fair. I mean, at that stage, though, I think, Dan, to be fair, at that stage, when you're going through a total list rebuild, I think they knew deep down that North Melbourne don't think like that. North Melbourne this year didn't think like that. They're going through yeah. a similar patch. And look at the look at the. Hey Dan, where did they finish? Yeah, okay. They finished last. But 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 Baz, but Baz, I think the point is that they haven't come out and said we're not about wins and losses. They haven't given that perception to the football world that oh, well, they they will roll over them. They're easy beats. They I understand what Dan's saying. You know, the messaging could have been different. Not about wins and losses. Yep, that could have been that messaging could have been different. I understand that. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, no, and look, it's, I mean, it's its a debate that we've had, I don't know how many times this year, boys, but I think it's its a good one to finish on. And let's hope that Michael Voss, for me, I'm just hoping this is the one. I'm hoping we've nailed this. I'm hoping, like I said, that this is a coach that we look at eight years in eight years' time. We're still doing this podcast, boys, and we go, how good is Vossy? Like he's won us, he's won us, he's won us four flags. It's sensational. We need to give, him, need to give him time. We need to give him time, and we need some consistency, consistency across the board as well. Now. Agree, agree, agree. Boys, I want to love, I want to love a coach again. <laughs> there you go, there you go, boys. 
that's it for the show. That was uh, I. I was lost in that. To be honest, I'm. Uh, I can't believe how much time's actually passed since we started. It feels like ten minutes. You didn't and, get uh, through all the questions. I know. I know, I know you didn't get through it all. I didn't even blow it up for you. No, not at all, mate. Not at all, mate. This is this is this is where I wanted. I knew. I knew. I had all the answers to those questions. I knew whatever run sheet. I knew whatever run sheet I had today. It was. It, we were going to try and follow it, but wherever it went, I wanted it to go. And mate, having you on today, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can speak for the other two in this streamyard. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been something I've wanted to do for a long time. Yeah, um, fantastic. I, I, I personally appreciate the time you give me. Uh, you know, every now and then over the phone and whatnot. And uh, oh, we'd love to have you back, mate. It's uh, it yeah, was no problem. Thanks very much. At least I gave you the Sarah mail the other day. Yes, Chera. Well, this is the thing. Uh, just to finish off. Anyone that believes that Fox Footy broke the Chera news, you can think again because our man Baz, he broke that about a week ago. So, Dang, you know, Baz. I don't know what pigeon mail those blokes are getting at Fox <laughs> Footy, but, mate, you, you've got a direct line. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, – If you, you know, I'll, I'll tell you one day where I got the mail from and it might blow you away, actually. I'm very, very keen and very interested to hear off air, yeah. not on air. So, boys, no, no, not on air. Tell me when we're off air. That's it. That's another. Uh, that's another episode done and dusted, boys. It was uh, Jules. It's always good to see you smiling in Spain. Freedom. You're not in lockdowns. It's nice. Go enjoy the sun. Go enjoy. Enjoy your life, Pov. Good to do your I hope life. I get Thanks, to see bro. you. I hope I get to see you in person soon enough, uh, Dan. Uh, and Baz, let's hope uh, next time we do this, we're, we're face to face, mate, in person. Thank you very much, boys. Thanks for the opportunity, and no, stay safe, bad. and um, stay true to yourselves, and go Blues. Thank you, Baz. Up the baggers. Thanks, up the baggers. Up the baggers.